Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Uber Neuro. My name is Al Tepper and I was delighted to launch this podcast uh, to help my son who, age 13, discovered he uh, was on the uh, autism spectrum disorder spectrum. Um, and the objective is to meet and interview lots of really interesting people who either have a neurodiversity uh, and are living amazing lives despite or because of, or they care for or interact with, significantly interact with people with neurodiversity and therefore have a deeper understanding than us mere neurotypical mortals. Of course, there is no such thing as a neurotypical mortal in my mind. Um, and there's certainly, uh, definitely not a neurotypical mortal sitting opposite from me today. Uh, I've got a treat for you. Slight different... Uh, way of doing things today because we're actually both in the same room. I've never actually recorded a podcast sat across the table from my interviewee and in keeping with that disruptive element to today's show, today's interviewee is a chap I know uh, and have known for a good few years, a lovely human being and uh, whilst he may or may not be uh, on the spectrum and certainly is neurodiverse, I'm sure, uh, diagnosed or otherwise, um, he's a deeply lovely human being who happens also to be a DJ. And he has developed, because of his incredible empathy and sensitivity, uh, a specialism in serving uh, people's parties uh, for people with a neurodiversity. So if you can imagine for a minute uh, being a DJ that um, parents with autistic kids go to to run their party, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the one and only... Um, maestro that is David Chernick. Hello, David. Yo, hi. I feel like we should fist bump at this point. We are. We are actually go. fist bumping. Now, we're at a table. I'm not going to lie. There's tea and biscuits or coffee and biscuits. So if you hear us munching, we probably are, but we're cool with that. So we're going to slurp away. So David, uh, thank you for joining me. Um, this is a really special podcast, actually, because it's the first time I've done it face to face. me, and I don't get a chance to talk about this much, actually. So Absolutely. And it kind of came quite organically. We were just talking about what you do and other stuff you do. And I suddenly thought, how have I not interviewed you? I don't know about Uber Neuro yet. Um, because I find it incredible that you have uh, jumped into this space, into this niche. And I think it's going to only grow. So tell us a bit uh, about what you do. Right. So um, I DJ for private parties. I've been doing it for 30 odd years. Um, and those private parties could range from anything from a, a kids for mitzvah or bat mitzvah to a 40th to an engagement party. Um, and I and I do it just because I love to party. I genuinely love each party I do. I, I'm the DJ who joins in. Yeah, so I'm not sort of hanging out behind the, the DJ booth mixing music. I do that. However, I like to get involved. And do you think that speaks to your empathy? Do you think that's kind of part of the makeup of David, that actually you being removed behind a perspective sheet or in a DJ booth, would that would be alien for you, wouldn't it? You I think that would be for me, yeah. but I've never really overthought it that much. You know, I see that, you know, the, the, the party DJ skill is, you know, once you sort of master how to mix music and you master track selection and organising an event and being an MC and decorating a room and laying on all sorts of entertainment, actually... The, the thing that um, separates DJs is how well they connect with the revelers. Right. Yeah? And I love connecting with people. I love being with people um, on a joint mission. Um, and so for me, the, the party is the sort of ultimate uh, way of expressing that. Amazing. 
I just love the idea of you getting out of the booth and onto the dance yeah. floor with everyone. I'm very comfortable on the dance floor. I'm very comfortable standing on my decks. Wow. Which have to be built strong enough to accommodate my weight. Amazing. Um, and, um, and making eye contact with people. You know, you, you see a lot of DJs in clubs and parties where their eyes are on the record decks, mixing music and thinking about what they're going to play next. And every so often their eyes flicker up just to see what's going on the dance floor. Yes. I'm, I, I'm kind of the other way around. Um, I've always sort of wanted to uh, look at what's going on the dance floor and be part of what's on the dance floor. So your starting position is, I'm one of you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, my, and my skill really is tuning into people. Amazing. Tell us about the first time somebody asked you to um, serve a party that involved new, neurodiversity. Okay, so for years... Um, I, because I tune into people, and in fact, since I remember doing it, there've always been a certain proportion of guests where, um, you know, I would sort of recognize, I suppose, certain behaviors, um, or see little flickers of an expression on the face, which might say something different to me. And also over these, those years, maybe I've uh, been serving a family with a child, um, who they're doing a, a mitzvah for, and there might be another child. And of course, the businessman in me sort of looks at this other child and thinks, oh, if I do a good job of the first child, they might bring the second child. Um, and again, very often I would say, um, you know, what are you planning on for, you know, little Max, who's 10? And they would often say to me, oh, no, um, we can't have anything like this for Max. Right. But it's only really, I guess, been in the last 10 years where people have been more comfortable about telling me the reasons why that might not be. Uh, right. appropriate for Max and that's how the conversations have started um, and I started having those conversations because of the way I DJ for families I'm really treating the whole family so I like everybody to get involved yeah so I was by necessity interacting with that other child as well yeah of course. it was important for me for them to be part of that party but everyone came along everybody's that, yeah. together you know I love seeing multi-generational partying on the dance floor. I want to see mum and dad and I want to see child and grandparent and yeah. child and child. You know, I, I, that's what um, makes a happy memory for a, a party um, where everybody is together. And obviously when the parents, what's interesting is you said in the last 10 years, mm. people started talking about the reasons why. Mm. Can you remember the, the specific, the first time someone said, uh, oh, we kind of a party for little Max. Max yeah. is autistic, or Max is whatever. Yeah, you know, dyslexic. I mean, not anyone would ever. I can't imagine a parent saying, "Oh no, he can't have a party yeah. because he's got dyslexia." No. I can imagine a parent saying he's got sensory issues around autism. So, tell us, can you remember that? Can you yeah, remember I can. I remember that. It's an amazing, amazing family, and uh, quite a local family. They they knew who I was. Um, you know, they'd heard about me. I think the parents have been to parties that I DJ'd at um, and they picked up the phone to me um, and they made, a, they, they asked, what could we do for our son's bar mitzvah? Right. Um, we can't do what you normally do. However, we want to do something. Mm. So what is it that we can do? Um, and I had a chat with them all um, and we sort of clicked quite well. And we spoke very openly about the different challenges. Yeah. Uh, and it even emerged that the father of the child was himself going through some form of diagnosis, which yeah. in his case was like a 
two-year process. So, sure. um, so as a family, they were sort of on a little bit of a journey with that discovery too. The child was in a special educational needs school. Mm. Um, but the child loved um, dancing. Yeah. And movement. Um, and so the parents had this idea that they wanted to see what they could do as close as possible to the, as they described it, typical um, bar mitzvah party. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I, you know, my, my, my shackles sort of raised whenever I hear the word typical anyway. Yeah. Because um, I like everything to be special for that. Side note, individual. nothing about David is typical. <laughs> if you ever meet him, uh, you'll see his picture on the... Uh, on the social graphics and you'll get a link to his site. There's very little typical about this guy. <laughs> that's, that's, good. that's good. So yeah, so um, you know, I've always embraced um, self-expression, being yourself, finding out who you are. And so as soon as I heard the word typical, that immediately set me on a train as I would do for any family. Yeah. And so I wanted to find out, you know, what would be the ideal scenario for them. And they described um, an environment where everybody was joining in, where everybody had a chance to express themselves. And also the uh, mother, very, very intelligent woman, had an idea that she said to me, I'm sure this can't work, but. Yeah. And whenever I hear that, that's an indicator of something that definitely can work. Yeah. And the idea was to uh do you want to go specific absolutely so the idea was that um you know having a sort of four hour party yeah where you're playing loud thumping music and bright flashing lights um was not going to work uh -huh. for that lot especially since this kid wanted to invite his entire year group from the special educational school yes. um where even within that year group there was going to be considerable diversity in the yeah of in, course in, um you know, what they needed, sensory, sensory all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And some of the kids came with their carers and that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, we wanted to have different activities because some kids are really into building stuff. Some kids absolutely love creativity and yeah. making and painting and all of that kind of thing. Um, and um, some kids like sitting down in the corner and just watching everything going on. And yeah. So, you know, we looked at the space that we could bring everybody together to accommodate the number of people that they wanted, which of course included their family and friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we made a list of the different activities that all of the kids would like. And we, we, we set up activity tables dotted around this hall. Amazing. Um, and the question then came, not what the activities were going to be, because that was very clear cut. If they love painting stuff, we're going to have a painting table. Yeah, absolutely. If they love um, bubbles, we're yeah. going to have a bubbles table. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so, and they wanted to make masks um, and all sorts of stuff like that, which was great. And masks are cool at a party anyway, because then you've got a mini masquerade. Going yeah, on, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, and so how do, you ma how do you make all of that happen? How do you man those stands? You know, you could, you know, those, those tables, you need people. Yeah. That's very expensive. Um, and the, um, the way we, we did it was that the child started life in mainstream um, schools. Yeah. And, had, and the parents had managed to keep connections with some of those kids. Right. Who were sympathetic kids. Um, and so we recruited those kids. Fantastic. To come and be part of the party. Amazing. And some of those kids manned some of the tables that could. Yeah. And some of those kids had older siblings. That could. That could. Wow. And wanted to. 
And as it turned out, thoroughly enjoyed the experience and grew themselves by doing it. Yeah. Okay. Um, So that's basically how we we, how we kicked it off. And um, what it meant was that we can accommodate the different individuals' requirements. So they all had some sort of um, beneficial experience from being there, and they got an opportunity to interact with everybody else who was there, including. Um, you know, kids that were in mainstream education, yeah. um, including family members who got involved. I mean, who doesn't like making a mask? No, no, absolutely. You know, in fact, I wish I wish, I wish more more celebrations and parties had that kind of activity going on. Well, most of them we are quite can bold. talk about that later yeah, because uh, because that is the sort yeah. of the next plan. Yeah, um, and, um, and and so it, so it sort of grew from there. We had an amazing party. We had plenty of opportunities for dancing yeah. as well, um, and. I did sort of do quite a lot of research and talk to quite a lot of people anyway, as I had over the years anyway. Um, And it's not so much that loud music doesn't work for everybody and flashing lights doesn't work, you know, disco Mm. lights doesn't work for everybody. However, there were particular things that I noticed just in my observations over the years that tended to work better with loud music, party music. And that was very, very simple things. Um, It wasn't so much the volume of the music quite often, it was that <laughs> that thud. Yes. Okay. All you need to do there is turn down the bass a little bit. Right. Now, for me, when That's I go cool. clubbing or to rock concerts and stuff like that, I love that stuff. I love a heavy bit. I want to feel it through yeah. my very heart. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, I'm only really part of it, so I turn down the bass, and immediately it accommodates way more people. Interesting. Disco lights again. There are all sorts of different types of disco lights. And I love having light and color and a little bit of darkness and stuff like that. And uh, it creates a beautiful atmosphere. However, much as I love, a, my favorite light is a strobe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great for me. But if I want to be partying with loads and loads of people, strobe doesn't work for everybody, whether or not they're yeah. uh, neurodiverse. Yeah. And, but moving lights and colorful lights, they're actually quite powerful. And just by introducing color wash light right. makes a big difference. Um, also, how you um, plan where people are going to be able to dance and come together, have a little bit of a bigger space. Um, but very interestingly, although I was on for this first one on a stage, many of the kids ended up joining me on the stage right. and dancing on the stage. Um, and it was, you know, there were a couple of carers actually on the dance floor watching the kids that they were watching uh, on the on the stage just to make sure they weren't going to be jumping off or stage diving or stuff, which, you know, is not great know. for health and safety. You never know. No, no. You never know. Absolutely. So, uh, so that was absolutely superb. And again, during the dancing bit, it was a great opportunity for me to tune in to the revelers, which is what I would normally do. Yeah, that's, I guess that's normal, fair for a DJ. That's what you're expected to do. That's what you're probably going to do most of the time. So what a blessing to be given the opportunity to serve a neurodiverse family and have to not stick to that, you know, DJ typical normal and in inverted commas behavior and actually find other ways of facilitating this event. I mean, well, here, here's, here's, the, here's the sort of the, the trade secret, if you want. If you imagine that your job as a DJ is to tune into people and you're trying to read sort of quite sometimes subtle signals yeah. from people partying on a dance floor, 
One thing that I noticed where there were more um, party goers that were neurodiverse is that the signals were all the more obvious. Right. Now, I can give you an example of like the most extreme. Um, I like to have a bit of a crescendo near the end of a mm -hmm. party, sort of a climax. And, you know, it brings people together even more. It sort of sets the memories. Um, and so I, so I do like to have that. Families like to have that. It's, a, you know, yeah. it's like a sort of a highlight of the party. Yeah. And, um, you know, I might play something loud and fast and sing along and something that's very popular, things that people know. It could be a Queen anthem. Yeah. It could be a Bon Jovi anthem. It could be... You know, a '90s club hit, "Free from Desire." Everyone's like singing that. to this. Everybody's yeah. like moving, singing yeah. to the same bit. It sort of reminds me of the caveman paintings of yeah. people sort of dancing around the fire, beating drums, and uh, revelry, that kind of thing. Um, and during that time, I'm sort of watching the crowd. What is going to be my finale song? The one that brings them down a little, little bit, but um, sends them off on the way. Mm. So it's a big moment. Um, and I remember looking down at this uh, crowd and I could see on the faces exactly the point where it became too much. Yeah. And I remembered that moment because wow. that was a very clear signal to me about the precise time to change tracks. Wow. And, um, and I got a booking from that and from that I got a booking and from that I got a booking. It sounds, it sounds like this has happened by accident, but I would argue by design, I think you're built for this role very naturally. I think it's no accident. Thank you, man. Um, obviously, I mean, that's an incredible story. And most of the people listening to this are around the world. Um, and, you know, from every corner of the world, will probably have never thought of this. And I certainly had it, which mm -hmm. is why I wanted to interview you. And I think there is a, a whole different way. And you alluded to the fact that actually this is now informing what you consider a normal party to be yeah. or a neurotypical party. And actually um, it's reconnected you to the purpose of the DJ is it's not just the auditory entertainment and it's not even the visual lights entertainment. Yeah. It's about facilitating joy at an event. Absolutely. Um, and, um, and what a blessing that you've been given to be able to have that challenge to rise to it. So, so what can you tell us about what comes next? Right, so what comes next? Um, I've got some quite clear ideas in my head about where I see this going. Um, this is not a one-man game. Yeah. Um, you know, I would love it, for example, I'm talking to other DJs who uh, serve the market that I do, and in Northwest London, um, you know, there are a good 10 DJs that are the ones that are regularly recommended. Yes. Things like bar mitzvahs and forties and that whole yes. market. So I'm not the only one. Sure. Um, they're great, great guys. And, and a lot of them very sensitive, um, you know, very switched on, yeah. educated, um, and, and also like me want to have a good party. Yeah. And so I share these experiences with them. Um, and I purposefully go out of my way to have those conversations with them because they're going to have the same conversations with their clients as well. Mm -hmm. When their client says to them, oh, you know, little Johnny can't have that because. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I'm doing as well is um, in the last couple of years, I've, I've um, done a lot of production work with, um, with a, a new guy on the scene called Jay Sands. Great, great guy. 
Um, he's building a, a stupendous business of his own. He DJs, but he also does a lot of production. And he actually went to the Chicken Sheds um, uh, Theatre School, which is a fully inclusive theatre school. And I remember going to see his um, B-Tech, his like a, you know, uh, 18-year-old, 19-year-old yeah. final presentation for that uh, level of education. And I was absolutely blown away by the production that I saw, which was a musical version um, of Lord of the Flies. Wow. It was a fantastic production. You were production. telling me about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, not only was it a great production, but it had an extra level of depth with the characterization because a lot of the cast members themselves had very, were at various different levels of ability, disability, and wow. all sorts of different things. There were kids in wheelchairs. Um, it, was, it was just an incredible experience for me. And I remember speaking to Jay directly afterwards about how can I introduce diversity and obviously neurodiversity um, into the actual production of some of these events as well. Wow. And for me, um, it's sort of a two-pronged attack. Wow. You know, on one end, it's the DJs themselves interacting with the families. And then on the other side, this is actually what goes into making the party, the suppliers. Amazing. So, I mean, on, not just on the supplier side, but on the product side as well, in terms of, you know, what, what would, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean if I want to, spinning in loads of directions. Yeah, I mean, if I want to, for example, I might have a family that presents as saying, we want a Harry Potter thing. Yeah. For all the listeners out there, you may think that's original. However, it's a very popular thing for good reason. It's a yeah. great story. It's a great yeah, yeah. opportunity to decorate a room. Fantasia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, their love of Harry Potter might be just one facet of their lives. Yeah. So, but if I take that to somebody who could look at the world in a different way, and I say, family loves Harry Potter, magic. Also, the kid's really into, I don't know, um, animal welfare then the ideas the creative ideas that i can bring to that mm. you know i would just probably do a mashup between wild animals and magic and see what happens whereas what my experience has been is that sharing that idea with other people might look at the world in a different way i've had all sorts of crazy stuff i've had uv i have had you know it's coming up hopefully um candles and stuff hanging from ceilings you know Stuff wow. that I would never have thought would be possible to set up in a room at you know a reasonable budget, but that can be made possible when you look at that problem in an alternative way. So then the client ends up with a better product. Well, and I think there's one added ingredient there that you haven't included, Ooh. and that is a desire to ensure that little Johnny has the best part of his life. Oh yeah, but not yeah. just little Johnny. No, no, everyone his around family, him. Absolutely. his universe. Absolutely. Because he's no less entitled or more entitled than anybody else. And neither are the parents. No, and neither are their friends yeah. or their families or their grandparents. You know, I, I notice especially with the grandparents' generation. That, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, oh, poor little Johnny. And, oh, you know, my son, the father of little Johnny, sort of burdened with this yeah, extra yeah. work. And I, I'm sensitive to the fact that although I thoroughly enjoy it and I get a lot out of it, I do know that these parents, many of them, sure. it is hard work. Sure. I get of it, course. right? Um, but for them to experience the same milestone event for their child or grandchild or nephew in the way that's or friends suitable set up to you know be sensitive to and yet also leverage you know the superpower absolutely and, and it is a gift in many yeah. ways for them because 
Uh, once you get something like a diagnosis, it gives you a language. Yeah, if you have a DJ that you can communicate with, in that way, you have a language to say, we need something special. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is everybody needs something special. Yeah. But the gift that you have if you are diagnosed or you have some language to describe the diversity um, means that you can then express what your needs are. Amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, I think this is probably, I, I don't know that there's anyone else out there. I, I mean, I'm 47. I've never heard of it. Um, so Is that all you are? I'm only 47. Thank you very much. Obviously, you look like I'm 77. I don't care. Though. Um, I mean, literally, I do not care what people's ages are, what colour they are, what size they are, you know, what their brain looks like, anything. So I, I was going to say, I think this, I, I'm, I'm confident that this is a, a, a global premiere. I don't think we've ever heard of a neurodiverse, aware DJ. And I challenge you, internet. Find other neurodiverse DJs because David would definitely love to create a global consortium and a benchmark and a discussion around, um, you know, uh, you know, everyone having the party they deserve um, that's suitable and sensitive to their needs. So, internet, do your thing. If you know of a neurodiverse, aware, sensitive, or even a neurodiverse DJ, uh, tag them in comment, connect them to us. Um, and if you don't know of one and you've got a party coming up and you're, well, frankly, he'll fly anywhere. So wherever you're based, if you're looking for a neurodiverse DJ, I very rarely do ads and promos, but this guy deserves it. David, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for uh, having tell me. Tell everyone your web address before we go. So we are www.jiggle.in, which is J-I-G-G-L-E dot I-N. And we say, throw a party, everyone loves. Love it. Absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm sure uh, every, everyone, everyone's just going to be jiggling. What can I say? Sure. Um, David, thank you very much. And thank you all to everyone who's listened. Uh, you know, the stories we have to share are, are incredible. I, there isn't a podcast that happens that I don't finish and think, wow, that was cool. Um, and this one was definitely cool. Um, all of my interviews are amazing in their own ways, um, but this one is a bit special, not only because it's face-to-face, -face, but also because I genuinely think that this is an example of how neurodiversity as a superpower is making the world a more kind place because it's encouraging people like David to leverage his empathy and sensitivity and to seek what he truly wants and then to be able to translate that into a fantastic evening for a family whose son happens to be neurodiverse. And, and that, I think, is the best testament to the value of neurodiversity that our planet has. If only all other areas of life could be uh, transformed in the same way to kindness, I think we'll all be better off. And that's why I've launched this podcast. It's just permeating everything in my universe, and I hope it's helping you and yours. Uh, so once again, thank you, David. Uh, really love chatting with you, man. And we're going to fist bump our way out of that. Awesome. Uh, everybody else, thank you so much. Share, care, tell everyone you know. Somewhere uh, there is a 13-year-old boy who's just found out he has a neurodiversity or a 13-year-old girl and she's just found out she has a neurodiversity. They think it's their fault and it's our job to let them know it isn't. So from me, until next week, thank you all so much. This is Uber Neuro checking out.